Welcome to the new Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Two Docs in a Pod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Tamika Perry and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now, here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Tamika Perry. Well, thank you for joining us for Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. I'm Ron Aaron, delighted to have with us our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry, and we're going to be joined today by a specialist in talking about something that I know, Dr. Perry, a lot of your patients struggle with, yes. and that's diabetes. Let me introduce Dr. Perry for those of you who've just joined us and may not know who she is. She's an associate medical director at WellMed, oversees several large clinics in the Optum Care North Texas region, the southern sector for WellMed. Associate Medical Director Dr. Perry's goal is to support providers at those clinics as they deliver quality care and a compassionate patient experience. She earned her undergraduate degree from Prairie View A&M University, went on to graduate from Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine, where she was a National Health Service Corps Scholar, completed her family medicine residency at Methodist Charlton Medical Center, and where she served as a chief resident. And Dr. Perry, diabetes is something that so many patients struggle with, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Diabetes is, you know, one of the chronic illnesses that affect this country health-wise, socially, economically. And like we'll learn today by our esteemed guest, um, the social determinants of health play a huge factor in diabetes and the outcomes of these patients. Well, we're going to welcome our special guest, Dr. Emmanuel Amisa. He's the lead physician at Wilmot at North Tammany Trail in North Fort Myers, Florida earned his medical degree from St. George University in Granada, completed his residency at the University of New Mexico School of Medicine in Albuquerque, did his fellowship at Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, and Dr. Amosa is board certified in family medicine and completed a fellowship training in diabetes management. Dr. Amosa, delighted to have you with us. I'm happy to be here. What was it about diabetes that interested you to uh, pursue more studies? Coming from where I come from, Africa, I was seeing a lot of patients with diabetes where we don't have the providers with the right expertise to take care of that. So I had the opportunity to pursue this fellowship um, program and uh, I went for it. So I and can be, uh, yep. No, go ahead. So I can be more you know, educated on the management of this patient. And when you look at patients here, that you're seeing in North Fort Myers, Florida. Uh, what is it uh, that very often influences their diabetes and their recovery and their management? Yes, so uh, I'm saying like a underpopulation area. So you, that's where this social determinant of health comes in, right? Uh, so now we know that there's a growing recognition that Medicare alone cannot address one's health outcome and that there are challenges outside healthcare that directly impact our health and well-being, right? So those challenges are, as Dr. Perry said, social, economic, environmental factors that clinicians need to start looking at when they see patients, right? So with diabetes, we're going to giving examples of how these factors uh, can influence their care as we go along. Well, tell me about that. 
So for, for instance, I mean, since we're talking about diabetes, I, I will use uh, American Diabetes Association uh, where, where they grouped the social determinant of health into five domains, right? So the first one is social economic status. They're talking about education, income, uh, occupation, neighborhood and physical environment, even where you live, right? Housing, the environment. Do you have a park where you can go for a walk? Food environment, food security, food access, food availability. Do you have healthcare access? Let me give you an example. I had a patient who was on insulin. It keeps, she keeps coming back. Sugar is still uncontrolled. We didn't know. We found that she cannot read. So we're telling her to take 10 units of insulin. She doesn't know what 10 units is, right? Until you ask her to demonstrate for you at the office how you give the 10 units. Then you found out that health literacy, where education comes in, is very important, that we need to uh, use words that the patient can understand. We need to demonstrate to them at the office when we are prescribing some of these medications. I had a patient who was a diabetic on insulin who was living in his car. You talk about housing instability, right? It can range from people living in their car, living with relatives or homeless. homeless. He was going to the emergency room frequently. So we found out that he was living in his car. How are you going to store your insulin when you are living in your car? Insulin so, needs to be refrigerated, right? Yes, right? So it needs to be refrigerated. How are you going to take care of your car? How are you going to test your sugars living in your car? How are you going to eat healthy living in your car? So these are questions that we need to ask patients when we see them, not just prescribing their medication, but can you afford it? Can you store your medications, right? Do you have a place to store it? So that if they can't store it, then we don't prescribe it. We'll find something else that they can store. Or right, hold they, that they thought. Need- Hang on just a minute. I'm going to come right back to you. For those yes. who may have just joined us, I want to let you know you're listening to Two Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed. Our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry, is with us along with our guest today, Dr. Emmanuel Amasa. And I want to take a moment to welcome the newest Texas clinics to join the growing WellMed family, WellMed at North Fielder in Arlington and WellMed at Canal in Groves, Texas. Dr. Mark Rogers, Dr. Gilbert Ledesma, nurse practitioner, Melissa Ryback, nurse practitioner, Nancy Davis, nurse practitioner, Lori Tori Ledesma, all serve patients at WellMed at North Fielder and Dr. George Katai is the clinician at WellMed at Canal. They join WellMed's network of more than 16,000 doctors' offices in Texas and in Florida. And one of the questions is we're talking about these social determinants, things in your life that may affect your ability to manage and treat diabetes. Dr. Amosa, once you know, for example, a guy or a woman's living in their car, what -hmm. can you do about it? So that's housing issues. So we have to try and find resources in the community that we can help him with, right? So we have shelters. We can try and give him some shelters options that he can go, maybe spend the night and have a hot meal, uh, you know, t- test their blood sugars. And uh, some of them, insurance can help them to get a subsidized housing unit. So there are resources in the community that you have to find what you have. Every, every population is different. 
And Dr. Amasa, I think the great thing about the organization that we work for, the patients who um, who come to our clinics, who have these certain social determinants of health, we have a meeting every week called the PCC meeting, in yes. which we talk about the higher acuity patients and how their mm -hmm. social determinants of health affect them and what we can do as an organization, as physicians, as social workers, as, you know, nurse practitioners, because it's a, really a collaborative team to try mm -hmm. to address those. Do we need a social work referral for, like you say, to find this patient temporary housing or to assist them with getting on the Section 8 program? Mm -hmm. um, do we need a diabetic educator to, because health literacy is an issue yeah. and really teach them what diabetes is early, early in my career when I was a resident, I diagnosed um, a senior, one of my seniors with diabetes, and she came back four weeks later for a follow-up after I started medication. And she said, baby, I don't understand why my sugars are high. I stopped eating regular sugar and now I use powdered sugar. And so <laughs> at that point, I realized that I need to do a better job of explaining things to patients in a manner in which they can understand. Health yeah, it's a great lesson. Yes, it's a big, mm. big social, social determinant, particularly for diabetes. And as I understand what both of you are saying, uh, you're doing a lot more than just practicing medicine in an exam room at your clinic. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the, the, the um, providers within the WellMed organization will also do home visits. We do home visits. And one of the things that we're coached on, and, and, and as well as the, the individuals that we have home health uh, relationships with, is to look at the patient's home. Ask them if they feel comfortable with me looking in your refrigerator. You know, ask them, do you need any other resources? Do you need um, you know, us to start Meals on Wheels for you or to WellMed to you um, situation? Because this makes a big difference. I always tell patients, in terms of money, tell me what what you can't afford, even if it's $5. And I try to soften that conversation by saying, you know, I'm cheap. I assume everybody else is and your money belongs in your pocket. So if you can't afford it, let me know and we'll yes. find a way to make it happen for you. Mm -hmm. Dr. Perry and, and Dr. Amazon, when you've gone into a home, opened a refrigerator, ha have you found refrigerators literally empty or filled with spoiled food? Spoiled food or inappropriate food, like inappropriate food. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> you know, so yes, yes, both yes. cases. And uh, Dr. Amasa, when you agree that you know, in one case, you have to get the patient some food, and in another case, you have to re educate the patient on what to eat, yes. But it's about you see, we had a patient as a self the PCC, she kept going to the emergency room with syncope. Mm -hmm. it, it turns out she takes the insulin, the fast acting insulin, does not eat. So it turns out she eats once a day, but the prescription yes. says taste the insulin three times a day, right? So we have to ask how many times a day do you eat when we are prescribing some of this medicine? As you said, it goes back to education, right? And if it's once a day, then we ask them to take it once a day. It's better than nothing, right? And uh, give them the resources that they need for, uh, to get some food at home. And are you able to successfully help her with that? Yes, as uh, Dr. Perry said, we have the wheels of beans and uh, wheels and uh, uh, stuff like that, that they can get some food assistance. We have a food pantry uh, that we can give to them on, the, on that line too. They can go there for meals. And some of the other issues you talked about when you talk about social determinants of health, some are you know, self-explanatory, access to health care, uh, but yes. others people may not understand uh, a neighborhood you live in, how can that affect your health? Yeah, so that, that comes with your housing as a neighborhood. Uh, your housing that you live in, it's a, it's a crowded place that you live in, right? 
you have maybe five or 10 people living in a room, how are you gonna manage your diabetes self-care? How are you able to test or even store your medicine in your fridge or even have enough food to eat? And you see, and the, the neighborhood, is it, do they have a park where you can go for exercise? Is it safe to walk on the, on the, on the, road, on the sidewalk? So those are the things that they talk about neighborhood. Yeah, there's some neighborhoods it's not safe to walk in. Right. Yeah. And some neighborhoods are what's called a food desert where there's no grocery stores. You know, mm-hmm. there's definitely not like a Whole Foods or a Sprouts, but we're talking about like even a regular Albertsons. There's not there may be a McDonald's or two, but there's no grocery store in which you can go to. And that's mm-hmm. that's a neighborhood that we ha- that effectively has what's called a food desert. Mm-hmm. All right. Stay with us. We're going to come right back to both of you. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to Two Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry and our special guest in North Fort Myers, Dr. Emmanuel Amasa. Hi, it's Drew Pearson for my friends at WellMed. As a Hall of Famer, I love it when a quarterback and receiver have a great connection. You can be part of a great connection too. Connecting WellMed's high-quality healthcare with the highest-rated Medicare Advantage plan helps you focus on staying healthy. Call 210-436-6005 or visit wellmedhealthcare.com slash connect. Drew Pearson is a paid spokesperson. Other plans are accepted. For full enrollment details, visit medicare.gov. Well, thank you so much for sticking with us right here on Two Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry. We're talking on our on our Two Docs in a Pod hotline in North Fort Myers, Florida, with Dr. Emmanuel Amasan. We're talking about diabetes and what social determinants influence diabetes. And doctor, we often talk about type two diabetes, uh, but there is another type. Type one used to be called juvenile diabetes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, mostly those ones are in, in uh, kids who say children, but adults can also get type one diabetes. Uh, but what we are talking about, social determinant of uh, I also affect them, right? They also they are the same coming in the same environment and you know the similar insurance and stuff like that. So it applies to every patient that you see in the office. Because I, I, let me say this: so now we know social determinant of health account for about 50 to 80% of one's health outcome, depending on what resource you're looking at. So without addressing them, we cannot achieve it, what we call health equity, which is the highest level of health for every, all people. So we need to address that for every patient that we see. Now the EMI has stuff for, on social determinant of health that you can assess when you see patients. What's the EMR? The electronic medical record. As you see the patient, it's easier when it's, you know, it's linked into the electronic medical record. So you can assess that, ask questions about your housing, occupation, you know, food security, transportation access, financial issues. So those are the questions we need to be asking our patients. And then so, I know that, uh, go ahead, Tamika. No, so, so Dr. Um, Emmanuel makes a really, really good point when we talk about equity versus equality. So everyone, Mm -hmm. you know, even if you had two people who were, you presented the same healthcare to them, you Mm -hmm. should really frame the presentation dependent on the patient. Mm 
So how do I need to present this uh, therapy to this patient based on their um, their race, their economic status, their culture, mm-hmm. if they live in a health desert? Um, yes. Because for each person, it should be catered. And that's the difference between, you know, equity and equality. You know, if I have two children and, you know, they both want bicycles if if one of my children unfortunately only has you know has something wrong with their leg they yes. may not need a bicycle like the other kid they yes. may need a tricycle or maybe mm-hmm. they both got a mode of transportation but that's the difference between equity and equality equality you know? and it also says that everyone has social determinant of health everyone does yes but is is it affecting you positively or negatively right right so then when you assess it then you look at a negative and you address that. And, and when you look at those measures, uh, what about mental health? Does that play a role as well? Definitely. Absolutely. Yep, yep because it's uh, the way you assess healthcare. So in terms of mental health, and you know, you have to wrap more services or um, around the patient, um, mm-hmm. one, to make sure that their mental health is treated so we can adequately take care of their somatic health. And sometimes that poses a difficulty for the PCC, uh, PCP, that's a primary care physician, but once again, working for a larger multidisciplinary organization like WellMed allows the patient to have access to um, individuals who can take care of their mental health as well as their somatic health, their bodily health. Mm-hmm. What role does depression play in uh, a patient's ability to manage their diabetes? So there's something we call diabetes distress. That would be like a equivalent to depression. Um, in, diabetes uh, is a very complex condition, right? A lot of behavior changes and people get frustrated along the line. The sugars keep frustrating. Today is high, tomorrow is low. I have to test myself three times a day. I have to give myself a shot. So after a while, they give up, right? So we need to motivate them, assess them, their depression scale, uh, because when they give up, they stop taking their medicine, they stop testing, then the diabetes get worse. So depression is very important to assess when you see those diabetes patients. So you, you can address them. You touched on uh, exercise, talking about can you walk in your neighborhood. Dr. Perry, uh, I've got a good friend who's a cardiologist who Mm -hmm. says of all the things that he can do for patients, getting them to exercise regularly is the best medicine. It is. So the the World Health Organization recommends for everybody, um, regardless of disease state, if your body will allow, and you'd be surprised at what your body will allow, 150 minutes a week of cardiovascular exercise, that's running, walking, swimming, and walking is perfectly fine. And I always tell my patients, you know, that's about 30 minutes a day, five days a week at a moderate pace. And if you're not used to doing that, you can start off with 10 minutes a day. Next week, try to do 12. And if you feel like your neighborhood is unsafe, you can do that in your house. You know, I, I wear a smartwatch to keep track of the steps that I do every day. And if I feel like I'm behind inside of my apartment, I will walk around my dining room table. I will walk from the front to the back. You are doing some type of physical activity. Um, You know, almost everyone, regardless of where you live, has access to the internet on your smartphone. You can pull up on YouTube exercise programs for seniors. There's usually a cable channel that has them, but there's nothing wrong with walking in place in your house. Yeah, and also for those who are living in the area where it's not safe, I ask them to maybe when when you go for grocery shopping, 
Work around. Take extra time to work around inside the grocery shop. Or go to the mall and walk inside the mall when the weather is hot, right? So you can walk in the mall or go to grocery shopping and walk inside. And then when you think about that five times a week, 30 minutes a day, uh, it doesn't sound like a lot. Is that enough? Yeah, that's actually what's, what is recommended. You know, um, when we exercise consistently and if we're overweight, we lose five to eight percent of our body mass. We see a, um, a reduction in medications. We see an improvement in your disease state and an improvement in your overall well-being. As you think about diabetes, which is so rampant among your patients and it's true all over this country, uh, Dr. Amasa, do we think there is a reason there is so much diabetes First, I mean, the weight is an issue, right? The obesity problem. That with type is, 2 diabetes. With type 2, and you know, which can also go to, there's something we call double diabetes. When somebody has type 1 and is obese, he has insulin resistance as well. So it's like that type 2 kind of thing with a type 1 as well. So first, we have to address the obesity issue, which is driving the diabetes. And it goes with the food and inactivity, you know? Types of I food that we eat and inactivity. That gets back, Dr. Perry, to looking in a refrigerator, and it may have a lot of food, but none of it's the right food. What is the right food? Well, most certainly you want to, um, if you're overweight or diabetic, um, you want a lower carbohydrate diet. I mean, uh, Dr. Amasai, you must certainly are the expert on this. What would you weigh in? Yes, we normally recommend a low caloric or low carbohydrate intake. That is a main thing. So we have more fruit and vegetables, right? More protein, right? So it's basically cutting back on your carbohydrate or starchy intake. And carbohydrates are like rice, potatoes, pasta, not necessarily, you see those, those foods aren't necessarily sweet, but they do raise your blood sugar. And bread. And Mm -hmm. bread. And bread, bread, yes. Potatoes, you know, corn. Tortillas. Give the oh yeah, and I love those. <laughs> I always give the example that you know my mother, the favorite my favorite meal that my mother makes is is collard greens, fried chicken, yams, and I like them syrupy sweet and cornbread. And unfortunately, I like it cakey sweet. But when I eat that meal, my, my biggest portion should be my collard greens. My next biggest portion, my protein, and I really need the, the protein, white meat. Yeah. Yeah, as opposed to the um, the dark thigh that I like. And my smallest one needs to be my carb. And I don't need the yams and the cornbread. I need to pick one which is most important to me and not get a double dose. So, uh, you know, I always frame it up like that for the patients. Like when you make sure your green vegetable is biggest on your plate, then your protein and really mitigate down your carb to what's most important to you. Yes. So it's very difficult. When, when you're talking about a diet, you just have to tell them it's about portion control, right? Mm-hmm. You can eat Absolutely. what you eat. You ask them, you take the history about dietary, what they eat, and you see, you try to modify it here and there mm-hmm. in terms Absolutely. of the portion. Yeah, cut back here, cut back here, so they don't get frustrated about you. You ask them to stop everything, you know? Right, so, right, right. Yeah. Right. None mm-hmm. of us need to get triple sized. No, yes. no. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like one of my patients, he said, I stopped the cornbread, but I'm like, but what's going on with your sugars? He said, because I stopped the cornbread, I got extra potatoes. I said, no, wait, let me, yeah. let's, let, let's reverse and talk about some things again. Yeah, I had, I had a patient who asked me, dog, please don't take away my Coke. It's my joy. Right. So I'm not going to take away the Coke. It's the amount of Coke that we're going to drink. Right. So we right. can ha- come to an agreement. Okay. Let, instead of the big can, let's do the small can. You saw maybe three times a day, do once a day, right? Right, exactly. We don't want to take away the joy. 
the Coke or the sweet tea in Texas, huh? Yes. And the other one, of course, is beer. Mm -hmm. So alcohol has, you know, it has little to no nutritional value. I'm going to, I'm going to err on the side of caution and say no nutritional value, but lots of carbohydrates. So we, we have to mitigate down how much alcohol we intake also to help control our blood sugars. And for those who are worried about blood sugar, but don't pay attention to it, whether you have diabetes or not, is blood sugar important? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Amasa, can you tell us some of the signs and symptoms that your blood sugar may be increasing, um, even if you don't take your sugar, don't have a reason to? The reason, yes. So you get very tasty, right? Right. As you get tasty, it means you got to drink water. You drink more water, there's increased urination. So actually I had a patient who came, 50-year-old male, came to the office because he was bedwetted. Mm-hmm. So that is the only reason, then that's a sign that, you know, the sugar is high, it's not getting enough to pee, so it's urinating in bed. Uh, so you get very tired, sometimes you lose weight, right, difficulty sleeping at night. Mm-hmm. So those are simple common things that you should know, that something's not right, you know, you should go and check your sugar. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us. We are flat out of time, and we appreciate you being with us, Wellmet at North Tamiami Trail in North Fort Myers, Florida, Dr. Emmanuel Amasau. We really appreciate you being here. And to our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry. Thank you, Tamika. I'm Ron Aaron. (laughs) Thanks for joining us on Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. Executive producers for Two Docs in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Isaac Wilker. And associate producers are Natalie Ibarra and Maurice Hudson. Thank you for listening to Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And be sure and tune in next week for another edition of Two Docs in a Pod with Dr. Tamika Perry and Ron Aaron.